drink more fluid, stay hydrated. These words probably run through your mind many times a day, especially after weight loss surgery. Where does tea fit in your fluid count? Is it smart for you to drink it? You're going to like these benefits of tea after surgery. Don't go anywhere. They're back. ProCare Health's customer favorite calcium dark chocolate bars are now available online at ProCareNow.com. Creamy chocolate plus calcium and vitamin D. You'll love them. Use code SUSAN10 to save 10%. Hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist Dr. Susan Mitchell. You're listening to the Bariatric Surgery Success Podcast, episode number 69. Most of my career, I've worked in some type of media, particularly radio where I did morning drive nutrition spots over 18 years. And that's really where I learned how to podcast, which ultimately led me to you. I created Bariatric Surgery Success to provide you with life-changing information, always based on science, along with simple strategies and tools to help you be as successful in your transformation as you can and along your entire journey. I'm so happy you've connected with me. You're in the right place, and I'm glad you're listening. Joining me today via Skype is Texas-based registered dietitian nutritionist Neva Cochran. Neva is a nutrition communications consultant to a variety of food, nutrition, and agricultural organizations. She's passionate about promoting fact-based food and nutrition information to help you eat beyond the headlines and enjoy a variety of nutrient-rich foods. You can find many ways to connect with Neva in the show notes. Well, welcome, Neva. Thank you so much, Susan. It's always a pleasure to be here. You know, I heard you speak on the current tea research at a a convention, and I thought the information was fascinating. There are just so many positive benefits. So I want to talk about it specifically today about these tea benefits as they relate to weight loss surgery. Is tea a smart drink after weight loss surgery? Absolutely, Susan. Um, Tea is great either uh, consumed plain or with a sugar substitute or artificial sweetener. Um, I would want your listeners to know that if someone's concerned about the safety of low-calorie sweeteners, uh, they're very thoroughly tested and backed by multiple studies and years of research before they can be approved by the Food and Drug Administration. So people can enjoy eating sweet foods and beverages um, like tea with their meals and snacks, but without worrying about the extra calories or other uh, possible negative consequences of sugar. Right. And you know, and after bariatric surgery, one of the big issues is dumping syndrome. And it takes very little regular sugar, if you will, to set off those symptoms. So that's one of the reasons that sugar substitutes are so popular. But it seems like you turn around and there's another study, another study, ping-ponging back and forth that, you know, sugar substitutes cause cravings and this and that. And it's got to be very frustrating. I know that you have researched and spoken on sugar substitutes for a long time. When someone says to you, well, I just heard they're going to make me crave more food and I'll regain weight, what say you? Um, I'll say do not worry about it because uh, there are isolated studies that do come out that say these things. But if you really dig down deep into the study like I do, you will find that they actually don't necessarily show that. And there was one that came out just a couple of weeks ago, and the headlines say it increases cravings. But the study itself didn't even look at cravings. It looked at brain activity when people ate sweetened uh 
uh, foods and beverages, and it also looked at their calorie intake. But when you look deep down into the details and results of the study, you see that there really wasn't a significant difference between the calories consumed or the brainwave activity. So it's just um, a sensationalized uh, interpretation of the study. And I can assure you that there are many studies and assure your listeners that there are many, many studies that show just the opposite, that these uh, artificial sweeteners or sugar substitutes do not cause cravings. They do not cause an increase in hunger. Uh, they don't affect your glucose. And so people can feel comfortable. And I think that's really good news for these uh, bariatric surgery patients to know that they can enjoy these and enjoy something sweet uh, without the calories and other negative uh, drawbacks that we just mentioned. Absolutely. And especially when the symptoms of dumping syndrome are somewhere you do not want to go, right? After surgery and you're trying, Absolutely. You're trying to heal. So to hear this and to know, and I love the fact, like you said, it's a big difference between the headlines and digging into how the uh, study was actually done and what the results really said that makes a difference. Okay, so I know this is a question that people are going to want to know, that my listeners are going to say, okay, but what about caffeine? I, I know that with my coffee, I've been told to wait, oh, about 30 days. That's what the American Society for Metabolic and Bariatric Surgery recommends. So what about tea? How does it compare in the caffeine amount to coffee? And should I wait about 30 days for it as well if it's caffeinated? Um both green and black tea average about 50 milligrams of caffeine per eight ounce cup. Now, when you compare this to coffee, coffee has about 100 to 130 milligrams of caffeine in an eight ounce cup. So at least twice as much. Um, however, caffeine, like you said, is not typically advised right after bariatric surgery. And my best advice would be for your listeners to check with their bariatric dietitian or surgeon uh, about when is the appropriate time to add caffeine back to their diet. Um, but for those who enjoy tea but are restricted from having caffeine, there are a variety of decaffeinated teas available both in tea bags and in loose tea. So they can still enjoy the flavor of tea without the caffeine if that's, a, if that's something that they need to do. Yeah, that's a great idea. So tea, does it dehydrate you? Set us straight on this. <laughs> you know, Susan, that's been a popular misconception for many years, but um, newer research, which actually is 20 years old now, uh, tells us that the good news is it will not dehydrate you. Caffeine is not dehydrating. Therefore, tea can count toward your daily fluid goal, just like any other non-alcoholic beverage. Okay, wait a minute. I want you to say that one more time. In case you all were doing something else, come, <laughs> come right back here and hear what she said, because this is good news for you. Tea can count toward your daily fluid goal like any other non-alcoholic beverage. So water, um, juice, milk, tea, coffee, all of those can count. Um, you know, for years, people thought caffeine, you know, which is found in tea and coffee and, and cola type soft drinks was dehydrating. But research in the early 2000s compared people who were drinking only water for 24 hours with those who were drinking only beverages with caffeine, and they found out they were both equally hydrated. And the studies found that you can have up to 400 milligram, milligrams of caffeine a day. That's about eight cups of tea with no effect on hydration. And, and that's, this, a, yeah, that's, that's a lot, right? I think that's wonderful. But it's amazing that that old adage of it will dehydrate you. And if you go on Dr. Google, you're just going to be amazed at how many times that still pops up. Yeah. I'm like, really? 
away, people. <laughs> you know, in fact, Susan, in 2004, the Food and Nutrition Board of the Institute of Medicine changed their recommendations for water. This is the board that establishes the recommendations for vitamins and minerals and protein and fiber, and they also do water. And they stated in 2004 that caffeinated beverages appear to contribute to the daily total water intake similar to that contributed by non-caffeinated beverages. So this board is saying it's okay. Caffeinated beverages are hydrating. But you know, if people are curious about their hydration, the easiest way to check is to look at the color of your urine. It should be pale yellow like straw. If it's darker like corn, then you need to drink more fluid. Uh, And that is always a great point. Just take a look at your pee and get an idea. That'll tell you right there. Okay, I remember you talking about tea and it's the possibility of it helping with depression. You know, after bariatric surgery, this is an issue a lot of times. Talk about that. Well, there have been a few studies that point toward a link between drinking tea and less depression. In one of them, depression symptoms were 44% lower for those drinking four or more cups of green tea a day compared to less than one cup of tea a day. Another study found less depression with a higher intake of green tea, oolong tea, or black tea with the best results for green and oolong. And in a third study, three cups of tea a day was associated with a 37% lower risk of depression. One thing I want to point out, though, is that tea is not a substitute for counseling and medication. If you are depressed... I would advise checking with a doctor or a therapist, but certainly tea can be used as as an additional strategy along with those other treatments. Yes, I I totally agree. All right. Thinking of other health issues here, what about tea? Any effect on blood glucose and diabetes? Yes. Several studies have shown that tea has reduced blood sugar levels, particularly green and oolong, but also black tea. But again, I caution listeners that this is in addition to not a substitute for other proven diabetes treatments like medication, diet, and exercise. Right. You've got to go there first, but then if you can have these additional little helpers, nothing wrong with that, right? (laughs) Okay. What else? What about tea, uh, something that you haven't told us that you find to be the most fascinating tip or benefit or both that you want to share with us? Well, I think many people may not realize that tea is the second most widely consumed beverage in the world next to water. And it's actually found in 80% of the U.S. households. Of course, in the U.S., people are more likely to drink iced tea rather than hot tea, especially in the South, where you and I live. Um, The other thing I really think it's important for people to know about tea is that real tea comes from the same plant. It's called the Camellia sinensis plant, and it's related to the Camellia flower that we're all familiar with. So the type of tea, whether it's white or green or oolong or black or dark, is determined by the amount of time the leaves are exposed to the air or oxidized. So that's what results in the five distinct types of tea. So white and green tea are made from the green leaves before oxidation occurs. Oolong is partially oxidized leaves, and then the black tea is totally oxidized, and then dark tea, one form is called puer, is fully oxidized and then fermented. Now, there is some confusion because there are what we call herbal infusions. That's like chamomile or ginger right, or right. rooibos. Those have traditionally been labeled as tea in the United States, but they're really not true tea because they don't come from the Camellia sinensis plant. Um, and while they 
they, they technically are not tea, they, they do contain, you know, some beneficial compounds. They're just not the same ones that I, you know, know come from tea and the ones that I've studied and I'm talking about today. Boy, that is so fascinating. I did not know that about the oxidation of the leaves and such. So thank you for sharing such good information. You know, I'm ready for a cold glass of tea just about now, Neva. <laughs> I am drinking a cup right now. I drink um, tea all day long. I'm not surprised. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope you'll come back for another episode. Absolutely. Thanks, Susan. And remember tea's many benefits to you that Neva just shared from staying hydrated and counting in your fluid to lower caffeine content and may even help with uh, feeling depressed uh, as an uh, you know adjunct on the side and also with your blood glucose. So make sure you stay focused on your journey. Include some tea if that's something you enjoy. Remember, you're worth it. Bariatric Surgery Success with Dietitian Dr. Susan Mitchell is produced and owned by Practicalories LLC, all rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host, Dr. Susan Mitchell, or Practicalories LLC.